Hi, and welcome to the Midlife Marriage Podcast. I'm Carrie Cohen, your host, and I am a wife, a mom, relationship strategist, and have been practicing as a psychotherapist for over 25 years. Consider this your new home for real, honest talk that you can only get in a therapy session until now. I'm here to empower you to create a marriage that fills you up from the inside out. And my goal is to share insights that resonate with you and create the kind of aha moments you need for deepening your connection with your partner. I have worked with hundreds and hundreds of couples just like you, and I'm going to show you that there's so much more to marriage than just checking a box. Hello, hello, and welcome to the next episode of The Midlife Marriage. Today we are talking about the four pillars for a strong marriage. So in my 25 years of work as a psychotherapist and marriage therapist, I have tracked lots and lots of themes over the course of the work with hundreds and hundreds of couples and probably four times that many individuals, many of which who were also married. So what I'm going to break down for you today is what I see as the four pillars for a strong marriage, and we're going to use table analogy because I just think it's perfect, and how we really need to have each one of those in order to feel really stable and secure in our marriage for the long haul. So let's get started. Okay, so four pillars. I'm going to break each of these down, but let's start with sort of high level view. We have trust and commitment, love and intimacy, friendship and play, communication and conflict resolution. So think about these four pillars as four legs to a table, okay? When you first enter a relationship, the table is bare. You don't have any experience together that's piled on top. There's no baggage, you know, there's our individual stuff, but, but this is for the marriage. So there's nothing there. But as we start to develop in our relationship and we begin to move through life, we actually start piling on the table, right? Mortgage, move, kids, two careers, other responsibilities, get into midlife, your kids are adolescents, aging parents, dying parents, so much stuff, right? Life. I mean, it's basically life. So that table is going to have a lot of experiences piled on top of it, which means the four legs have to be really sturdy. So, and you can't have three legs and expect that table to really stand well, right? So when one of those starts to rupture, trust and commitment, love and intimacy, friendship or play, and communication and conflict resolution, when one starts to rupture, it starts to make the table really wobbly, which starts to make your marriage feel like it is on shaky ground, maybe even quicksand, and you're starting to drown. You don't really know how to sort of keep yourself up. So let's think about this. Some couples, so so you may you may be in a marriage right now with out one of these legs. And so how do we begin to think about this? Some couples might go months or years without sexual intimacy. And if that is something that the two of you have decided on, then that's okay for you. The thing about sexual intimacy though, 
is that it is the only differentiating factor from romantic relationship to all your other relationships. So it is an important element in marriages. When sexual intimacy is lacking for a really long time, we can see the disconnect starting to grow bigger and bigger, and you may even start to see affairs. Now, that's not the only way that you could see an affair, but it is certainly one of the ingredients. So I'm starting right away with love and intimacy, not because I've ordered these, but because it is, a, it is one of the differentiating factors from romantic relationships to all other relationships. And there are couples who, by the time they get to a certain stage of life, they might actually start having sex. Now, I'm going to have a sex expert on here also, and so she's going to speak to this. But you may get to a later stage of life, 60s, 70s, where you're no longer having sex. Now, sex looks different for different couples. So when I say sex, I'm using it really loosely. I'm not just talking about intercourse only. I'm talking about all of it. So the other element of this, of love and intimacy, is... One of the things that I see is when couples don't sleep together and they have separate rooms or they have their kids sleeping in a bed with them and this becomes the new norm, you really miss out on lots of opportunities for intimacy. Of course you can be creative, you can be intimate at other times in the day, but it's really hard to be intimate if your kids think that your bedroom is also their bedroom because you don't actually get any time to yourself then. Sure, maybe when they're at school and you have your little daytime rendezvous. But if we think about the marital bed, I think of the marital bed as symbolically the thing that represents in your home the marriage, the marital couple. And when you're not using that just for the two of you or you're actually not using it at all, I think that this can lead to a greater disconnect in the couple. And I know that there are lots of couples who sleep separately, actually more than I really expected, sleeping separately. I just don't know what their sex life is like. So my suggestion always for couples is, if possible, you should be sharing a bed together without your kids so that you keep that as a sacred part of the, the relationship that also reflects the intimate part of your relationship. Again, recognizing that there are special circumstances and that there are other ways. Take, take what you need from this episode and leave what you don't desire. Okay, so, love and, so that's love and intimacy. And intimacy, all kinds of intimacy, right? There's gestures of affection. There's special ways that you make eye contact. There's terms of endearment that you have for each other. And there's ways that you show your love, right? There's all sorts of ways we could show our love. We show our love through acts of service by doing things for the other that they wouldn't expect us to do. We show our love with words of affirmation. If you're familiar with the five love languages by letting the other know like, gosh, you're like, you're awesome. You're, you're rocking it today. So there's all kinds of ways that we could show our love. So that's love and intimacy, one pillar. Let's talk about trust and commitment. Okay, we all know trust, and we all know what trust feels like. Trust is really a cornerstone of relationships. People really need to feel implicit trust in order to feel safe, which is primarily why when there's a breakdown in trust, either because of an affair or because perhaps there's been um, an addiction that's been hidden or someone is just not transparent, they're not honest, they're lying about other things, that that erodes away at one of the foundational elements that really makes a couple feel safe. 
And so that is crucial. Trust and commitment. And commitment is really about choosing each other every single day. From my perspective, commitment is actually a choice and it is a decision that you get to make. You can be so mad at your spouse, be so angry at them, and still be committed to them. You get to choose. And I think that that is a really important pillar. Commitment along with trust, they truly just go hand in hand and you can't have one without the other. Okay, let's move on. Communication and conflict resolution. So a lot of couples don't actually they don't really communicate and even more couples don't have a method to resolve conflict and that's really a problem so my husband and i we've always communicated even early on in our relationship so look i'm a psychotherapist my husband's background he's got advanced degrees in psychology he's worked in psychology he's worked in law he's worked in he's done a lot of men's work for men plus his own work we've always communicated well but you put together our styles of conflict resolution and we're really different. We did not fight well early on. And when we talk about conflict resolution, it's not the fighting that's problematic. It is really how you resolve it and how what your method for resolving the conflicts and the arguments with your spouse is. So learning how to do this is crucial. Otherwise, you'll never actually deepen the relationship that you have. You'll communicate about things and maybe you'll avoid the conflicts because you don't know how to argue about them. Or you'll communicate and as soon as you hit a conflict, it'll become really explosive. Or you'll communicate, you hit a conflict and then you're both don't know what to do with it and so you'll give each other the silent treatment for days. So none of those are gonna be very effective solutions. Avoiding it altogether, attempting it and having an explosive discussion and not resolving it, attempting it, and then giving each other the silent treatment and not resolving it. So what happens here is that we have to find a way to harmonize our different styles. And so my husband tends to be someone who's a bit more conflict avoidant, whereas I am not. And so I could go at him and it would just back him off. Now, without really recognizing ours, and so I would win only because I would wear him down. But I have to tell you, there's a cumulative effect of that, which isn't good, because that person who's being worn down again and again and again is actually growing resentment. And we might say, well, that's their problem because they're the one that's sort of letting the other do this. But the problem with that reasoning is that I'm not respecting their style. And their style is not to go toe to toe in an argument. Their style is actually to have a conversation and start to think about how do we resolve this? They're thinking about compromise. They're thinking about problem solving. They're thinking about other kinds of solutions. So really the problem there is that if I'm not respecting their style and I'm just steamrolling them, they are gonna build resentments. So I have to create space for my partner who has a different style. Number four, friendship and play. This is really important. You want a marriage that is steeped in friendship and play. You don't just want to be good business partners. We communicate well. We know how to resolve conflict. We really trust each other. But there's no play. There's no best friend. So my husband is and has always been the per preferred person for me to spend my time with. He'd always be my first choice when given an option. But we have a healthy balance of separateness and independence, so we, we do things separately from each other. But inside, 
we are truly best friends. We tell each other everything. He's the person I go to when I'm excited and I want to celebrate. He's the person I go to when I'm down and I need a shoulder to cry on. He's the person I go to when I'm stuck or in a funk and I need someone to process with. So you want to be able to have a partner that you can always turn towards. And again, it's going to look different for everyone. And one of the things that, that I'm working on is adding more play into our relationship. And so as our daughter has moved into the teenage years and she's really doing her own thing, he and I have more time together to do stuff. So we are really looking at how to add more play, playing pickleball, going out for day trips, going to comedy clubs, doing different things. We go on dates a lot. We go out to dinner. We can sit and talk. We watch movies together, but we're actually looking for some more active play and fun. So remember, you get to decide what your relationship looks like. But it's really important that you and your partner have agreed on it. So of these four pillars, you get to negotiate how you are going to carry them out, how they're going to look in your relationship, how they're going to manifest. But the critical piece is that the two of you have agreed on what that's going to look like. It's not going to work if you're not on the same page. So just to sort of circle back to what the four are and why they're important, the four pillars, which are the four legs that hold up all of the life experience and responsibility that your long-term marriage is going to be expected to maintain is trust and commitment, love and intimacy, friendship and play, and communication and conflict resolution. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Midlife Marriage. If you liked this episode and if my mission and approach resonate with you, please subscribe to The Midlife Marriage on Apple Podcasts and feel free to leave a rating. Also, if you'd like to stay up to date on the groups and classes I'm hosting for couples just like you, please consider joining my mailing list and following me on Instagram. You can also check out my website where you can learn more about me, my practice, and what I offer.